This morning I have the blessing to bring the Word of God. Uh, today we're going to be reading from the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 40 to 56. And the title message of today it is called, Don't be afraid, just believe. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that the same thing. Don't be afraid, just believe. So I will ask you to, to stand as you're able to read the Word of God, uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 40 to 56. It's a long chapter, so let's, let's prepare. And the Bible said like that. And now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, so they were all expecting him. Then a man, Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house. Because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowd almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject for bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, and I know that power has gone out of me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus uh, to the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone to go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but sleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he looked at her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Thank you very much for the opportunity we have, God, to, to learn from you. And we open our hearts, God, to receive your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In 2018, when I was starting my first year of seminary, I remember on Christmas break, I went to visit my parents in San Antonio. And I remember it was a Friday evening, and my mom, she got sick. She got with fever, she was uh, with, with chill, with vomit. I thought it was, it was just like a flu. I was like, oh, she's going to be recovered the next day. But the next day, Saturday, she was sick all day with fever. So my dad and I, we decided to take her to the hospital. Let's say, let's take mom to the hospital. And when we arrived to the hospital, my mom started having a, a seizure. I mean, she was having a septic shock, sepsis. And her organs were trying, were, were fighting each other. You know. So my mom was about to die. And when we were in the room, 
when my mom started uh, having some seizure and just like that, the doctors uh, uh, told my dad and I just step out of the room, go in the lobby. And as I was in the lobby waiting for what was going on, one of the kids goes out of the room. I saw a nurse coming down the hallway and I was deep side in me. I was like, please don't tell me what I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me that she's gone. Don't, 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 don't tell me. That was the first time in my life that I experienced that thing, like uh, something's not good. The nurse came and she said, your mom, is, your mom is okay, but just to let you know that she's very, very, very sick. So we're going to put her in the ICU as soon as possible. Our passage of today, well, to make the whole long story short, my mom is good. No, she, was, she was able to recover. You saw her yesterday. No, yesterday. Last week she was here visiting us. The Lord gave us uh, the blessing to have her for many years. So our passage of today is, today is, is about two stories wrapped together into one story. Two people suffering in a very different ways. But Jesus ministered both in them in a same powerful way. So two lessons that is going to rise up from our passage today. It is the first one is that the uniqueness of Jesus, there is no one like him before or since. And the second point is that the, the importance of have faith in him. We have to trust him even in the worst moments of our lives. So let's read uh, verse by verse to see what we can get out of these verses. As we see in verse 40, Jesus returned. From the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, we see a parallel story. Jesus returned across the, Gal the Sea of Galilee, probably to a town uh, called Capernaum. As he arrived, they said there was a crowd, a lot of people waiting for him with anticipation. And this is like a sharp contrast with the verse 37. On the other side of the lake, when Jesus had healed a, a man with a legion of demons, so the people over there, they were afraid of Jesus and they were begging him to leave. But over here we see uh, people waiting for him. In verse 41 and 42, we see that now a synagogue leader named Jairus, 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 approached Jesus and he is desperate. He's so desperate. He, he, his only daughter, 12-year-old, is dying. And he falls down at Jesus' feet and begs him, please, Master, help me. My daughter is dying. So we, wouldn't read, uh, we shouldn't read this, this scene too quickly without feeling the emotion, the moment, you know, the pain, the drama, the fear that this man is facing. Some of you perhaps have had a very sick children, or perhaps, sadly, you have like a, 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 a child who passed, who died. But you might, that's why we, we might identify with this story, with, this, with the agony that this, this man is going through. So Jesus agrees to help him, so they begin to travel into his house. And they said that there was a lot of people there, and trust, and they were so intense, there were people like were pressing around Jesus. So the Greek word for pressing means crushing. So perhaps there was like a thousands of people pushing and they were, as they were walking to the, the house of this man. 
In verse 43 and 44, we can see that in the middle of all these people, there was a lot of people, a woman who had suffered for 12 years for bleeding is desperate. She had endured 12 years with this unknown bleeding, this disease. And this bleeding might have left to a sort of problems. First of all, we note that she was broke. Perhaps she spent all her money looking for answer, paying, going to doctor, to doctor, and to doctor, but she couldn't get better. Perhaps also she might have been anemic from some constant bleeding, which leads to unending weakness. She was perhaps sort of bred. Perhaps her, her reduced immune system was low because of the constant bleeding. Perhaps also she was likely like, she was embarrassing. She was perhaps forced to stay home. She was never invited to a birthday party. She was never invited to church. She was never invited to any gathering because of her constant bleeding. And the last one, perhaps she was, her bleeding situation, she had been ritually unclean according to the law of Moses in Leviticus 15. So this dear woman, she was desperate. She was boring of hopelessness. She was like, there is no answer for me. But the Bible mentioned that she had faith. She knew that Jesus could heal her. She believed that if she simply touched Jesus' clothing, she, will, she could be healed. It, it is possible that she probably she had heard about the, the healing power for simply touching his, his clothes. Because in chapter 6, it said in, in Luke 6, Verse uh, I think he said, and all the people tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. So perhaps she heard about Jesus and she had this faith that she can get healed. So in any case, she believed in Jesus for healing. And in, in, this, in the middle of this crowd, she worked her way out behind Jesus and he touched his clothing. And instantly said that in a split second, she was healed. So she knew it. So it was a miracle. And after she touched Jesus, she, she could just have gone left and, and just uh, go home and without knowing, nobody knowing. But she, Jesus could tell that power had gone out of him. So I find it difficult to explain, but Jesus, a God incarnate, contained this. God has this power. It leaves me speechless to consider that this is not a magic mystery, just the power of the living God who created heavens and earth. He had the power to heal. And the question that I ask you today is, do we know God this way? Have we considered and worshiping for such an awesome power? So let's go back to the theme of this. So Jesus said, power, he knows that power has left him. So he passed his journey. He's going to Jairus' house, and he passed it because it was a woman who needed his help. And this is something very important that we know, that we see in here. Jairus, apparently, he was a, a very important man. So Jesus was helping a very important man. But, but Jesus also took the time to help a hopeless woman. So here we can see that God doesn't make and doesn't make uh, exceptions. So he loves all of us all. He loves us and he cares for all of us. 
And perhaps when Jesus stopped to heal, to, to help this woman, can you imagine Jairus kind of, and Jairus just telling Jesus, Jesus, hurry up, we need to go because we're going to be late and my, my daughter is going to die. But Jesus looked around and asked him, who touched me? I suspect he knew who touched him, but he wanted that this woman to come forward. And in verse 47, he said, she could not go unnoticed. So some, somehow, she knew that Jesus knew. So she came up to him, shaking and trembled with fear, and, and she falls down before Jesus and tells the whole story. She was like, I, I was with 12 years uh, uh, with this bleeding. I didn't know. I just touched you, and I just get healed. But perhaps these are some of the reasons why she was afraid. If she was ritually unclean due to her constant bleeding, by touching Jesus, she would have caused him to be ritually unclean due to her constant bleeding, according to Leviticus 15. Perhaps she was being afraid of being rebuked to tell him, how dare you to touch this holy man? How dare you to do it? But whatever her fears were, Jesus was so kind, so tender. Don't miss this. Too often, many of us, we see Jesus as, as somebody that is angry or busy, that doesn't pay attention to our needs. But the stories like this show me that we have a compassionate God. And it reminds me that the Lord loves us dearly. And his, his kindness is unsurpassed. Let's read the verse 48. Jesus replied, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. This is almost the identical words spoken by Jesus to the sinful woman in Luke 7, the woman who was weeping at Jesus' feet, kissing his feet, and anointing with him with expensive perfumes. This is such a tender moment. When I read this, I want to pause here, and I consider the impact that God has just had in this broken, sad, ashamed, desperate woman. For 12 years, she was praying. For 12 years, she was looking for an answer. And now, in an instant, in one second, she was healed by the mighty power of Jesus Christ. And perhaps many of us, or some of us, we are going through something in our lives. It could be physically, it could be spiritually, it could be in the family, financially, something. We, we are in this world. But Jesus has the power to change that circumstance, that situation in one second. Just like I said at the beginning, don't be afraid, but just believe. No, briefly, let's go back to the verse 20. 49. As we return, we see here that, that we return to Jairus and his concern for his dying 12-year-old daughter. Someone from Jairus' home, perhaps a family member, comes to give him the news. And it's the parents' worst nightmare when he tells them, your daughter is dead. Like I said, I can relate a little bit with Jairus when I saw the nurse coming out the hallway Please don't tell me what I don't want to hear from my mom. But thankful that he didn't got that news. But Jairus, they told him, your daughter is dead. What parent at this point will not collapse in the ground and start crying? 
This might be perhaps the darkest moment of this man. All hope is gone. Your daughter is dead. There's nothing we can do. But look what Jesus said to him. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid, my friend. Don't doubt it. Trust me. Everything's going to be fine. And if, I, if it wasn't Jesus speaking these words, it could be ridiculous, right? What do you mean, don't, don't be afraid? Are you kidding me? My daughter is dead. What do you mean? My situation is, is over. I, I, there is no, no answer for the situation. He might be like, my precious daughter is dead. My life is over. The grief will crush me for the rest of my life. All hope is gone. But here we can see that it was Jesus speaking. Of His words are never ridiculous. They are always true and always life-giving. So he simply commands this broken-hearted, fearful man to stop being afraid. Stop doubting him and trust me. Jesus is trustworthy in the most difficult circumstances of our lives. In verse 51 and 56, we continue. Jesus is traveling to Jairus' home. And when they arrive, we know from the book of Matthew and Mark of the gospel that there was a large group there waiting there was a lot of people making a, a crying and weeping, crying so loudly. But Jesus surprised them by telling them, Stop wailing. She's not dead, but asleep. And can you imagine hearing this? People will say, What? Asleep? And the crowd think that this man is a crazy man. Who's this guy who coming? I don't know what to tell us that the reality is that this, this young girl, she's dead. How can he have just said he should sleep? And they said that they laugh at him because they know he's dead. And so they laugh at him. They mock him. They make fun of him. This is ridiculous. But the people didn't understand so what Jesus was about to do. But Jesus paid no attention to them. He goes into the house with five people, the parents, and three of his disciples. Peter John and James. He walks over to the, over to the girl, the 12-year-old body. He takes it by the hand and he said, Arise. Get up. He simply speaks a commands, and the spirit immediately returns to the body and she gets up. The parents were so amazed, astonished. Like, who is this person who raises from, uh, from the dead by merely commanding them to come back to life. This little girl's spirit had to obey Jesus, and now she was alive. And finally, in verse 56, the question that arises, why does the Lord ask the parents, don't tell this to anyone, to be silent? Here, we must speculate that it is possible that Jesus he didn't want the greatest focus of the, of, to be on his healing power, but on the work he was about to do on the cross. He didn't want that his followers to will be numerically follow him because of being captivated by miracles and wonders, but he wanted them to follow him with all their hearts. And as we consider these two miracles in this chapter, we might... Wonder, people wonder, like, uh, who was Jesus? And we can just tell that Jesus heals a desperate, bleeding woman who has suffered for 12 years 
by simply touching of his, Jesus' clothing. He also raises a dead from beloved from a 12-year-old girl by commanding her, the spirit, to return to her body. We see that Jesus had the power to transform and then to change the circumstances. Even in the darkest moment of our lives, we have the confidence that we can trust in him. And these are the two, but let's, let's uh, think about it. How we can apply this to our lives? How is this related to the, to the situation that we are going through? And what can we take from these two stories from today? What are some lessons and themes that I can learn? And the first one is that the, the, the power and the authority Jesus' power and authority is unparalleled, is supreme. He simply spoke and was touched, and people were healed. People were, the power contained, Jesus contained power. Nothing and no one can stand in the way of Jesus Christ, not even the circumstance that you are going through. It could be a medical thing, like I said, it could be in the family, it could be spiritually, emotionally. Jesus has the power to transform, to change that. No disease, no mocking crowd, no dead body. Once more in this gospel, we found the power and a convincing answer to the question is, who is Jesus? And we can say with all confidence that he has the power and authority to change our circumstance. The second point is that Jesus' goodness is complete. It's remarkable to me to see that someone so powerful, he can be so good. And here, as I said at the beginning, Jesus agreed to help a powerful man to help him. Perhaps this was in a high-status man who had a lot of money. Jesus agreed to help him, but at the same time, he agreed to help a woman who was broke, who never had anything to pay him back. And this is something that only our Savior, Jesus Christ, could do it. And the third point is that faith in Christ is most reasonable. It is sensible and right and good to trust him. In both of our stories today, we see that Jesus commands them to have faith, and also he commends them for their faith. Such faith in the midst of a great difficulty is reasonable and possible and necessary, according to Jesus. Even though through hopelessness for a 12-year-old, for, no, for a 12 years of severe bleeding, it was reasonable that this woman would be sad, would be depressed. It was reasonable, but it was more reasonable so she, to trust in Jesus. It was reasonable that Jairus, uh, the dad of this 12-year-old daughter, it was, it was sad and crying and Doubting, it was reasonable, but it was more reasonable to trust in Jesus. So if we haven't connected these two stories into our own stories, we should. And even better, like these stories, it is like a, out of a great love for Jesus, have a great love for us. That Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead victorious to break the power of death forever. 
And this should, be, this should encourage us to trust, to trust Jesus for salvation, for all the things that he has done for us. Even the Apostle Paul, he sums up all the, uh, his life by simply saying this in Galatians 2.20. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Also the Apostle John says in 1 John 4.16, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So this is very simple, to trust in the Lord, to, to trust in God in our circumstance. Faith in the God who has the power and the authority and the compassion to do all these things. It is the most reasonable action we can do. So we, perhaps, we might not see a dead child brought back to life, or perhaps we have no, are not going to see a 12-year-old physical suffering ending, but we don't have to have fear. We can have the confidence in our hearts and the power and the goodness of God. It's astonished that the power, wisdom, and his power and his wisdom, God will somehow work all these things together for our good. And this is an example of it. There was a man of faith named Joseph in the book of Genesis. He discovered through horrible tragedies that God was able to take great evil to turn it into his head for good. We all know the story. When, Jesus, when, when Joseph was 17 years old, nine of his ten brothers hated him so much. They were so jealous of him. So they considered also killing him. But they decided to sell him as a slave. He was sold as a slave in Egypt. Basically, in other words, they human trafficked their own brother, their own little brother. But 13 years later, we know that Joseph became the second in command in the mighty nation of Egypt. God was working through his suffering. And later, in Genesis 50, 20, 40 years later, Joseph speaks to his brothers, and, and there is one of the most faith-filled moments in biblical history. This is what he said. You, need, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is not being done, the saving of many lives. Perhaps the situation that you are going through, the Lord will turn it in for good. It sounds unreasonable, but like I said, to trust and to put our faith in God, it sounds reasonable. Joseph, like he said, honestly told his brothers, what you have done to me was evil. No denying that, that was evil. But at the same time, by the faith, he acknowledges that the remarkable power and for the grace of God, God bring good out of such a horrible moment. Don't you imagine Joseph praying when he was taking his slave to Egypt? God, please be with me, help me with this. But it was for more than, more than 12 years. Can you imagine, like I said, this woman too praying, I don't know, I've been spending all my money with doctors and doctors and nothing happened. Please, I, what's going on? 
So the moment of this is, uh, the moment is in, in, in that these two characters were going through, they were hard moments. So we can see in here that God was working in the, in the midst of this for their own good. So in this part, Jesus revealed to us not just through miracles and on Luke chapter 8, as we are reading here, but even more that through miracles of his incarnation and death and resurrection and faith in him is the most reasonable faith for all. The Apostle Luke wrote these two stories of Jesus Christ that we will have greater confidence, more assurance, more faith in what we've been taught about God and his Son. So, so our faith can be only in Jesus. And as we read these stories, there I pray that they are like seeds into our hearts. And like the parable of the sower, Jesus calls us to be good soil that receive these good these, these words and believes in them. By having faith in Christ, may the seeds of, of, of his word sink root deep into our hearts and beat good fruit. The fruit of the God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of salvation through the work of Jesus Christ. And let me conclude with this. As we wrap up all this, what? What can we get from, from this? So when we look at Jesus with an honest and good heart, setting aside our pride and stubbornness, we cannot help but to trust in Him. Even in the darkest moments of our lives, we can still put on our knees and say, God, you are good. For who has this such a power and compassion and goodness? Who else has risen from the dead and ascended me to heaven? So despite the fear of life, despite your circumstances, despite what the doctors have told you, despite what family is going on and things, we can believe that Christ is worth to have trust. And my prayers for you, church, is that we might strive to know him, not simply for what we can get out of him but to strive to know him because he's faithful and glorious and powerful and he's worth knowing this is the God that we see this is the God that we praise this is the God that we have and I encourage you to know this God let's stand and sing